Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. On this episode, we open the mailbag. I asked Josh a wide range of questions in light of this being our last episode with Josh as GBC's lead pastor. Some are questions we've talked through with people over this last year, and some are questions I wanted to give Josh an opportunity to speak to before his move to California. And this is our last episode before the podcast takes a break for the summer. There will be periodic episodes posted over the summer, but we won't return to our regular weekly schedule until later in the fall. As always, our intent is that this episode helps us as a church to faithfully and joyfully follow Jesus together in our time. GBC, on this special episode, we have a mailbag, mailbag, I can't pronounce it, my kids are going to laugh at me, what am I even saying right oh, now? Where are you mailbag from? Mailbag episode, I can't even talk. Are you Canadian? Or yeah, pretty it? much, I grew up in Spokane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we um, asked the church to submit questions for this is going to be the last official Life Together podcast episode with our dear brother and friend and pastor, Josh Howarth. And so we wanted to... Not the last episode, though. No. Yeah. Lord willing. Lord willing. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. You got the buttery... Well, we're doing this, no man. buttery. That's all Jordan. No. Yeah. I, barely yeah. I want to have you back as a guest. But sure. for now, yeah, yeah. Yeah. just thinking about, hey, if we're going to have our last episode, let's just do a bunch of questions for you. So I would love to hear you speak to these questions um, as best, you know, as you find helpful. We have a mix of them. Full disclosure, people have kept telling me they're going to send in questions or asking me <laughs> questions, but I don't have real questions. So these are questions from um, the recesses of my mind. I may <laughs> come up with random names for them, but I just wanted to hear you talk about this stuff. Sounds is good. That okay. All right. Yeah. So we have I've made, trained hard for this moment. You have, so. you, this is your moment to shine. Yeah, that's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so there's really no rhyme or reason to this, which is not surprising is that sorry, how we do things on this podcast, but thinking about in terms of categories, so maybe like a theology question, then maybe more of a pastoral type question, and then a personal question. I'll just kind of go back and forth. Yeah. And I hope, uh, you know, this is a helpful and engaging discussion. Sound fair? That sounds fair. Maybe. We should have made fair. a wheel yeah. for Josh to spin. For what oh, if it landed on personal yeah. theology or pastoral? That's mm. a great idea. Ooh, I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. Do I stop recording? Go make a wheel when we come back. <laughs> I maybe think, maybe I in think the future so. when okay. you return. <laughs> okay. Yes. That's right. Okay. All right. So first question, we'll kind of you know prime the pump here a little bit. Yeah. So Josh, on a scale of one to ten, how sad would you be? if your family cat disappears before you get to Redlands, California. <laughs> oh man. Uh, no one else is listening to this, Josh. Your no kids one is a safe no place. One is listening to no, this, your for kids sure. don't Especially listen. my kids. And I know my wife does not. So uh, she tells me all the time. She's like, I don't listen to your oh, thing. That's so, amazing. Uh, I have to listen to you enough. Um, man, I will say that Rosie is probably the only cat I've ever liked. Okay. Uh, so I have to give that caveat. I don't like cats. Yeah. But I like Rosie. Okay. Well, like is not, I love Rosie, like in a spiritual, like love kind of sense. So, um, 
I shouldn't take this long to answer this question, but yeah, I'd be really <laughs> sad because I would have to deal with all the grief of my family versus okay, me being sad. Totally fair. If somebody else wanted Rosie, I would gladly give her away, but I would be like, just, I don't even, I would never be forgiven. So okay. I don't want to deal with that. So put a number on sadness. I'm hearing like personal, six? personally, yeah, or personally, Josh Howarth sadness. Man. A two because like you'd be sad a your two? kids are sad? A okay. two. A two. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, fair. I mean, I'm a, I'm so connected to my family, it's hard to Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna be so sad, so then I'm gonna be really sad. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's but fair. if they didn't care about Rosie, I would definitely not care about Rosie. Okay. Can you do a theology follow up question of will your cat Rosie be in heaven? <laughs> no, we will she will refer that to the there Bishop no of East County, Randy Alcorn. There will so, be no cats in that. That's right. Totally. Oh, man, this is a uh, sorry. Yeah, controversial <laughs> podcast episode. I love it already. I'm sorry. No, if Lindsay Box listening, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, cats are amazing. <laughs> okay, next question. Again, kind of personal. Picturing you and your family, you know, you're driving from Portland, Oregon down to California. You have something to look forward to on your trip, right? Jeez. In and out. What okay. I was like, as you go going? towards California, what is your go-to in and out order? Oh man. Uh, there's so many options, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, no, I'm just a double, double, uh, no tomato. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and if I'm really just like going for it, like I don't care about calories or whatever, yeah. I'm going to do animal style fries mm. Yeah. without the onions though. Okay. Oh, Which okay. is weird. So it's just the sauce and cheese. It's still good. And I'm going to get a Neapolitan milkshake. I'm so hungry right now. Yeah. Wow, that does sound delicious. Yeah. A Neapolitan milkshake? I am not hungry right now. I've never had so one much of those food in and out. So just, that doesn't even sound appealing. <laughs> okay. So, that, yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. It's just all the... It's a, it's a twist of all the three. Yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. yeah. I'm hungry right now. That's But their milkshakes, really good. their milkshakes are good, but they're like... I say they're like warm. They're like not cold. So I don't know what huh. it is. Remember I said this when we were in Louisville yes. or Chicago? Yes. About that one place we went? I do I remember know. that. This is great. Yeah. I, right so here. just real quick before we get into more hard-hitting questions here on the podcast <laughs> yeah. episode, I did have a thought I didn't share with you yet. I wished as I went to Olive Garden to get you breadsticks that are in front of you right now for our last episode, I had an epiphany moment. Why didn't we ask Olive Garden if we could have recorded this last episode in Olive oh Garden? Oh, my gosh. Would that Man. not have been amazing? That would have been a great I idea. Know. I know. Maybe we need to stop it I now can add the, the wheel. clinking sound effects of... <laughs> Forks on <laughs> pasta bowls. The sound in the background. More cheese on my salad, <laughs> right. please. Yeah. Say totally. when. That's How right. long do you wait before you say that's enough on the cheese? Because oh, I always try to make it like seconds. Or something I, I try to make it like awkwardly uncomfortable at Olive Garden. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how long will oh, you actually keep going with that this? That is funny. Yep. It's a great question. It is yeah. a good question. All right. Um, I'm not trying to flatten these questions as if um, my question about your cat is the same as another question, but let, let's go into, I'm um, just glancing on my list here of another question. This, this is a serious question. Um, Josh, why does God want us to pray? And I mean that, I know that sounds weird. I know. Well, I'm just trying to look at the questions I want to ask you on this last episode. So I'm going to give a quick, like color that. Personally, I've struggled with that in my past a little mm -hmm. bit. Like, hey, if God's all sovereign and, you know, why does he even want me to pray? And mm -hmm. I know that sounds kind of too intellectual. That's something I struggled with in the past. But then as my kids get older and they want to know, like, dad, why do we pray as Christians? I would just love to hear 
your mm. thoughts on that? Like, as you've counseled people and maybe even with your own kids, like, why does God want us to pray? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, there are a lot of books about prayer um, that would be way better at answering some of that, but um, I could be wrong, but it, nothing comes to my mind that the Bible answers that question, mm. which I find interesting. So in some ways, I'm not meant to know why, but we know some things about God that I think we can draw some conclusions from. Um, we know that God is a relational God. He's a God who wants us to know him and to relate to him. Mm. And even though the titles he gives himself for us, that he enters into a covenant, which is a relational word, right? Relationship with us, um, that he wants us, Jesus teaches us to call him father, you know, um, the spirit abides in us so that our hearts cry out father. I mean, like we are saved into a relationship with God. And so at a foundational level, I think God wants us to pray because he's a relational being. Um, and he loves us and we were made in such a way that we, our hearts are most satisfied when we, uh, love him. And so, We've talked about this in different episodes, I think, but we are saved and now our objective position is in Christ. But now we have this call to commune with him, mm. to commune with Christ, to abide in him. And, um, and and so I think in a very natural way, we can ask these questions like, why should I pray as if there is a um, a um, an outcome, a there has to be a a great reason why, like, well, then if, if there, if this isn't a result of it, then why would I do it? Mm -hmm. And I think when we begin to, I'm not trying to dismiss the question, but like, oh, I think no. we begin to ask that question. We're kind of already way off base originally because I go, well, what is life about? Mm -hmm. It's about a God who's actually made me, um, to know him and to relate to him. So what is prayer? Um, it's me communing with my God and he wants me to, um, meditate on who he is and pray and ask for the things that he is all about in this world. Um, because, um, I think at multiple levels, like even when it comes down to like what our prayers do, um, I, I'm, I don't, I'm, an, I'm a both and person. I think they do align our hearts to God. Like when I begin to pray things like, hallowed be your name, would your name be glorified? Would your name be exalted? Would your kingdom come and your will be done? I mean, that actually realigns my heart to go, what do I care about today? Yeah. All right. And so I, it's kind of lining me up. Um, but then um, the Bible's really clear when we see people praying and things happening. God, in his wisdom and magnificent brilliance and design, has decided in a way that's not even clear to us to, to even use the prayers of his people to accomplish his ends in the world. It's amazing. And so I go, um, I don't know how that works, but I just get to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And God wants me to have his heart. Prayer helps me line up to who he is. Um, he wants to use our prayers to accomplish his ends. Um, and, but I would just say at the foundation of it, he is um, a covenant keeping, making God who loves us and, uh, we were made to enjoy him. And so prayer, why pray? Um, what was the prayer? Why, why should we pray? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's cause we get to, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, really? Um, so that's my short answer.
Well said. Which probably wasn't very short. I don't know. Amen. So. Man. Amen. I love that answer. Thank you. That was really, yeah. really helpful. Um, thinking about some other questions, I would just love to hear you speak to, you know, people could read books or listen to podcasts and go to a seminary class. I would just love to hear your pastoral heart on it. And again, thinking with kind of with my dad hat on at some level, mm. like what would you say if someone says, Josh, why can I trust the Bible? What mm. would you say about that? Right. Cause like someone who's considering Christianity or even newer in the faith, like your arguments are circular. You keep like confirming my questions based on what someone said, but I don't even know if that's true of what it said. So what would you say? Yeah. Why can we trust the Bible? Oh man. And I know it's not me exhaustive, no, no, no. but like, yeah, I just, my mind's going a thousand directions. Yeah. Um, I, the kind of the first thing, cause my mind is kind of because of the way the Bible talks about itself. Um, I mean, it says things like the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So it's just has this timeless rock to it. I mean, all scripture is breathed out by God. Um, it is living and active. I mean, what kind of book talks about itself like that? Um, so it talks about itself in a very unique way. Um, I think secondarily people experience it in that way. I mean, how many people have just heard a word um, and it just came alive to you yeah. from the Bible? And maybe you'd even read it like 30 times or something. And so nothing changed, but one day it just experientially, things just, the scales fell off, you know, um, for the youth's sake, you know, the earwax fell out, you know, um, <laughs> but just your heart just tenderized and... You just went, wow, I believe this. I know I know people who literally just came to Christ through reading the Bible, like yeah. many people. Um, and they are genuine believers. So there's something that, so not only does the word talk about itself that way, but people experience it that way. Mm -hmm. So it's not just sort of this like um, controlling the Christian top authorities say it because they want to control people. It's literally like, this is what the Bible says about itself. Mm -hmm. And people experience it in that way. Mm -hmm. So I think that's huge. I'd say for other reasons too, I mean, we have all these books that are written in different periods, different times, and they all just completely connect. Yeah. I mean, it's too beautifully put together um, with too many human authors to where you have to go, there must be a divine author over it all mm -hmm. yeah. because it just, it can't work like that. Yeah, the only logical explanation. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, and I mean, we, that's a long conversation, but you just talk about biblical theology and how the Bible just continually says something and then later in, interprets that for you or it speaks to that very thing and just over, it's just so consistent. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that is so unique. Uh, I would even, my mind even thinks like, I look to Jesus and look how Jesus trusted the Bible. Look at when Jesus was pricked, the word of God came out of him. Mm -hmm. And, and so... If I don't trust Jesus, then I'm, I don't, I don't even know if I need to be asking this question. And so if I love Jesus and trust Jesus, why should I trust the Bible? Well, he trusted the Bible yep. and um, more than just trusting the Bible, he is described as the word who was made flesh, the one who had created all things in him. Everything is held together. Um, he is the preeminent one. And yet here he is just preaching 
the scriptures, interpreting the scriptures, and um, trusting those scriptures, coming to say, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, those are just some basic things I, that come to my mind. Um, I'm probably missing some really key ones and important ones. Um, but um, yeah, a short, trying to give you a short answer to that. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thanks for your willingness to do this episode, yeah. kind of our last one with you. I just wanted right. to hear you speak to some of this stuff. Yeah. So I think that's a question that um, we can't overemphasize. Uh -huh. like, why do we trust God's word? So why yeah, do we I think God's Kevin word? DeYoung has a, it's a he, I love Kevin DeYoung's books because they're short. Um, he's a good <laughs> author. Like he he's really brilliant, but he writes in a way that's engaging. Yeah. I think he has a book called Taking God at His Word or something like mm -hmm. that. That's a good one for people to pick up um, because it'll just help you think through um, what the Bible is and its authority. And, yeah. But in a way that I think will be engaging, in a yeah. way that you'll uh, appreciate it. So thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. How about follow up related type question? Just thinking about you and who you are and how you've pastored GBC so well, it's in line with GBC's heartbeat. So I'd love to yeah. hear you maybe expound on it a little bit more. So, what is expository preaching? Mm -hmm. And why does it matter? Yeah. And, and I'll, uh, I'll give I'll give you a second to gather your thoughts no, just no, real no, quick. I, Part of me asking that right now, I won't give their names, but met with someone recently who wants to become members of GBC, and that's awesome. And they asked a great question. They said, hey, Mike, with, with Josh transitioning from GBC, you know, I think I know the answer, but I just want to hear it um, from an elder. Like, expository preaching is like core to GBC, right? And that's not going to change with a new lead pastor. And with a smile on my face, I'm like, yes, you answered your own question. That's correct. <laughs> so I would just love to hear you speak to like, what yeah. is expository preaching and why does it matter? Yeah. Yeah. Expository preaching um, is simply looking at the scriptures and trying to discern what is this passage saying? What, what is the main point of this passage? And expository preaching is taking whatever the main point of the passage is and making it the main point of your sermon. So um, you're not reading a passage and going, this is really the point, but I kind of like this little side tangent and I'm going to make that the point. doesn't mean you won't address it. doesn't mean you won't touch on it for a second, but it means that's not what this passage is really about. Why does it matter? Um yeah, I'm trying to think of how candid to be, but I, I think it matters because if we're not doing that, I kind of don't know what we're doing. And I don't think we should really be um, trusting people who aren't doing that. That maybe is a hard word, but I just yeah, think well um, what are, you know, <laughs> if we know what God's word is, we know that when God speaks, God acts, God speaks through, he works through speaking. Uh, the Bible's clear about that uh, through that spoken word. And if it's the Bible that's living and active, then I don't want just some human ideas. I don't want some human wisdom or some tips on how to live a better life because I'm doing a miserable job of that apart from Christ. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I, we just want to hear God speak mm -hmm. and we want to hear that spoken to us in a way that is applied to our modern context. Um, it's not archaic, but that's what I love about the Bible. It's living, it's active. Um, it's not ancient. It is ancient, but it's, it's not old in the sense that it's out of date. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so we want to hear what's the main point of this passage. 
we're not just trying to do um, theology or something. You know, it's it's trying to get into our hearts, right? Because uh, we see it too many times. We talk about it all the time. We we do need knowledge, but we need more than knowledge. We need belief. Yeah. You know, we need that penny to drop. You know that we talk about, and so um, we want to be challenged to think. Hey, this is what this is saying. Why do I do I believe that? Okay, I say I do, but why does my life say that I don't? So what's the disconnect there? How do we kind of help that penny drop? Um, so that's the hard work of preaching, I think. But we we really do want to do that, and if it matters, because um, I just think it's too dangerous to to move away from that. Um, you're going to get swept away with the times. You're going to people who just want to get on a soapbox and uh, say things that sound good. Um, and uh, But then we put our trust more in human pastors and preachers than we do the Bible itself. Amen. So I always say I, I want people walking away from a sermon um, thinking, ah, I'm so grateful for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Like just thinking about what Christ has done for them. They love Christ more whatever you'd want to say but they're just grateful that's what i hope people walk away with um and not thinking i'm gonna do this this week now you know um as their first incline we need to do things but you know what i'm saying so and if you're not doing expository preaching about what god has said he has done and what he is doing then you're just going to be very your burdens are going to be heavy Mm -hmm. you know Um, because you're just looking for more ted talks or things yeah. you should be doing. So yeah. I so appreciate your answer and your heart for faithful expository preaching. I just wanted to give you a chance to share your heart yeah. on that. So yeah. yeah, thank you. How about for maybe those that have been at GBC for a while or feel like they have a okay grasp on expos- what expository preaching is, or maybe someone who's newer and like, what is this? I haven't encountered mm-hmm. God's word this way in the local church before. Any like helpful resources you would point people to on expository preaching? Yeah, I mean, I think an easy one is uh, David Helm. David Helm has a little book. It's a yellow book um, called Expository Preaching. I think it's in the Nine Mark series. Yep. Yeah, um, it's really good. It's 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 really going to show you. In I think it's good for anybody to read, but it's going to show you. Um, give you tools. Like this is how, um, the word is understood in in the context that it's written, whether it's historical context, the literary context, what's the Bible saying before and after this exact verse, it's going to help you understand the verse. Um, how is this verse placed within the whole book? Um, that's going to help you understand how this verse is being used throughout the whole book. Um, it helps you understand structure, all those different things. I think that's probably the best place to start. Um, I'm sure there's other, I mean, I've read a lot of preaching books, but um, that one would probably be the most that if someone's definitely not even a preacher. Yeah, start there. It'd be a really beneficial book and it's like really short. It's like a like, hundred pages. Yeah. But it's, yeah. but the book size itself is smaller yeah. than an yeah. average book. Yeah. So, yeah. so even that hundred pages is like 50 yeah. or something. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I would just go there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. How about sticking to theology? Um, you and I had talked about different things we wanted to talk about on the podcast in the future. The Lord knows. So we, uh, you know, let go of that. Yeah. But I did want to give you an opportunity to speak to it however much you want to or not. Sure. So I'm just going to ask it. What does it mean to be complementarian? Okay. And then I have some follow-up questions from okay. that. Okay. So what's it mean, Josh Howith, that you're complementarian? Yeah. 
And Gresham Bible Church is a complementarian church. What's that mean? Yeah. It means you like to give compliments, I think, is what it means, right? <laughs> Perfect. Is that Man, what it is? that's so yeah. affirming. That was a good understanding. No. You're, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, no, I'm you joking. know, I guess that's one way no, to I'm look joking. at it. I'm yeah. joking. What does it mean to be complementarian? Yeah, I thought we should start with what does it mean, and then we're going to flesh it out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, complementarian, uh, to be a complementarian means that when you read the Bible, you're taking... Um, I want to humbly say this, but you're, you're taking the Bible seriously for what it's saying Mm -hmm. in the sense of how God has made men and women equal yet in different ways, they're different. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's key to see that in the Bible, the Bible first in Genesis one talks about our equalness. It talks about our sameness before it talks about our differences. Um, but those differences were there even before the fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, who we are as men and women, uh, I think the word is trying to get at, they, we complement one another. Um, and so the opposite would be egalitarian, where um, there really is no, we are equal, but we are not different. We are the same. And so uh, how it plays out in the church, I think, is um, has, has been very abused over time, yeah. uh, where people think... Um, we are not equal and we are different. That's what it means to be complementarian, which is not true. Um, and so I, I think even in some of those contexts, there's a lot of fear, yeah. um, a lot of fear. And I would even say a pushing down of some uh, of women um, because um, you're, you kind of aren't even clear about what does it mean that we're different. And so um so yeah, I, I think that just at a general level, it means that we are made in the image of God. We are the same. Yeah. We are human beings, uh, but we are different, that we are male and female, that there's a biology even built in, but it has more than just biology. There is a, a display of God given to the world through our differences. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think even the way the gospel is preached and rooted um, sort of displays that. I mean, even when it talks about marriage in Ephesians, it talks about how um, husbands are to lay down their lives as Christ has loved the church and given himself up for her. And wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Um, so we even have this continual in the New Testament represent, representative of Christ in the church. You see that in marriage. Um, even when Paul gets into Corinthians, um, in first Corinthians, gosh, is it chapter 12? Trying to remember exactly the chapter, but, um, he talks about those differences. We talk about like the women's hair and all, you know, all this different stuff. And basically he's talking about men should act like men and women should act like women because our differences are important, Mm -hmm. even in a society. And he talks about how, um, God is the head of Christ and Christ is the head of man and all this kind of stuff. And so you get into this really unique mysterious, you would just have to admit, understanding that there is a gospel witness to our differences being fleshed out and played out. Um, I think some of the ways that's played out in the church fundamentally is, um, uh, I think that's, I think that's fleshed out within the church and in the home primarily. Um, you see that in the church, it's, um, that men should be elders, um, and be leaders and in the church in that sense as garters of doctrine, as teachers of the word primarily when the whole church is gathered. 
And then in the home, that men are supposed to be leaders in their home. Um, and so, again, there's a lot of dangers to how people apply that. But if you're applying it the way that Christ is displaying it, it means that um, those who are in those leadership positions should be going to the, the bottom. Uh, the way down is the way up, like in the sense of you're laying down your life for other people. You're leading from the front and not from behind. You're not driving people. You're leading people. You're modeling, being that example um, of Christ-likeness. Um, so, I don't know. These are just some random th- I don't know if I'm being helpful. Oh, but yeah. You're being super helpful. I love that you're grounding it first in uh, complementarian isn't a word that's in Scripture. So, that can have baggage or... Just like Trinity, all exactly. those presuppositions words, to it. Yeah. But let's think biblically. So, I love your answer. I think it's helpful. I know you and I have talked about... Um, you know, roles of men and women, what the Bible has to say about it. We want to be a local church family who talks about it in a winsome way. Mm-hmm. Right? Like God talks about it. We can trust God. We know he's good. So let's lean into what he has to say about it. And there's a mystery to it. I know um, there's a question that's important to me in a few different ways. And one of them is, is a dad to daughters who are getting older and mm-hmm. asking about this. What does the Bible have to say about this? And yeah, but let's lean into what God has to say right. and trust his good intent. Um, so anyway, I just thought it'd be helpful to hear you say it. I always yeah. appreciate about you, man, that you're keeping the gospel at the center. Yeah. It's a lens that you're speaking to this through because unfortunately there have been abuses and there are situations where it is not understood or applied in a way that honors Jesus at all. And that's not where we're coming right. from. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I even say, I mean, this could be a really long podcast, so I'll try to be careful and not <laughs> say too much. But I, and I just think there's a lot of misunderstanding around it, which is why there probably needs to be a longer podcast totally. about it or yeah. um, resources distributed for it. Um, but uh, I mean, because I think people just think, oh, men can be elders. It's like, well, it's not that men can be elders. Um, it's just that that's one thing one at part of it like yeah. it's not like if you're a man you can be an elder that's yeah. not the call like, <laughs> hey, man. Uh, there's a lot of men who should not be elders and there should be a lot of men who be qualified to be elders but they're not serving as elders because that's not the need mm-hmm. and so I think people think that um, women can't be men can, men should be and um, they're that's not how it works, right? And I think it also means that when you look at how the spiritual gifts lists are listed out, I mean, it talks about gifts of shepherding and teaching and some of those things. And those gifts are not distributed to genders. It's just distributed to the church. Amen. And I think we got to always keep that in mind that there are women in the church who have the gift of teaching. There mm-hmm. are women in the church who are who have that gift of shepherding in the sense that they, they naturally pursue people in relationship and care for them. Um, and so... Uh, there's just other ways that that is lived out and used in the life of the church. Just like a man can have a teaching gift and not be called, not be called to, not aspire to the office of elder and need to fulfill that office. And so uh, we just need to know how those gifts can be used um, because elder is an office. And um, when the whole church is gathered and someone gets up there and preaches, I mean, that should be the primarily the elders of the church doing that ministry. And so, um, because we know that when the church is gathered, we fundamentally need to hear God's word spoken. Mm-hmm. And that's the primary act in the gathering. So, um, I just, I think there's just a lot of things. So I'm just trying to clarify some of that, but yeah, uh, there's a lot of good things that need to be talked about. And I think most men as a whole are reluctant leaders mm-hmm. in our sinful nature. And I think, 
um, if you ask the majority of women, they're actually wanting men to lead an example and godliness. Mm. And so, um, so I think a lot of our issue has more to do with, we have reluctant, um, I'm not trying to be all <laughs> whatever shocking right now, yeah, yeah. but, um, men who maybe are not very godly and they, they should be. And, um, cause I think when you have that in our churches, there is less of that aspiration. Cause I think a lot of times you have women who are wanting to pursue that office because they're actually following Christ and they're like wanting somebody to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the goodness of their heart, they're aspiring to that. Yeah. So Man, anyway. I so appreciate your answer. Yeah. You're right. We could have multiple podcasts, books yeah. and books, but to live into the fullness of what God's word speaks to and not to draw lines where God's word doesn't draw lines either, but just to live into um, who we are and our creativeness yeah. and our gender. You just want to trust the, the Bible. Church. Yeah. Amen. And amen. Um, the Bible doesn't shift with the times. Well said. And so what's driving our... Um, What's driving our theology? Is it the movement of culture or is it the Bible itself? Yeah. You know? Yep. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Um, How about so many things we could talk about? How about this question? Uh, There's like three questions in the question because I'm not a good asker of questions. So please be gracious with me. So so what is true repentance? What is saving faith from an experiential standpoint? How can someone know they're a Christian? Just what? would you counsel someone with what comes to mind there? I mean, I would read first John. Mm. I mean, that answers a lot of that. Um, uh, what was the first question? Just what is true repentance? True you know, repentance. What's saving faith. I think true repentance is, um, where you are confronted with an area of sin in your life and you, you expose it to the light. Like you want to walk in the light, as First John would say. So you would confess that. You would agree with God, this is not your will for my life. Yeah. And um, you confess that, but then you then return to your God and seek to be ruled and taught and led by him. And so if he's a God who is described as light and we want to have fellowship with him, that's why John says we must walk in the light. And so I think repentance, living a life of repentance is uh, taking those areas where we're walking in darkness and beginning to walk in the light. Mm. Um, so repentance involves obedience and involve, but it fundamentally I think is, uh, who is, who is lording over my life? Is it God? Is it myself? Is it something else? Yeah. And so, um, this, the saving faith though, what is saving faith? Faith, um, that has as his object Christ, um, and not my works, not my performance. Um, that's the only kind of faith that saves. It's, uh, we're not saved through faith. We're saved, you know, by grace. Right. Um, and so, but that grace is extended to us in Christ. So if the object of my faith is Christ and what he has finished for me, um, and clinging to his promises, then, um, then that kind of faith will result in a fruit that will be seen, mm-hmm. which is, I think, the only sort of assurance that the Bible gives us. Yeah. Um, the Bible actually warns us more than it assures us. Um, it's not trying to scare us, though. It's just trying to make sure that we're not saying we believe certain things 
and yet we're not abiding in the vine. I mean, that's what I love about that image so much of John 15 is, um, uh, I read this the other day, fascinating to me, but um, the vine doesn't bear fruit. Um, a vine is the life source for the branches and the branches bear fruit. Mm. And so we're told in John that the fruit is fruit that glorifies God. It's fruit that Paul says is fruit of the spirit. So it's often character. It's not accomplishments, it's character. It's do we reflect the character of our savior and Lord? And so if I am, um, if the fruit from my life, if you were to pick the character off my life, especially the hidden character, and if that is looking more and more like the image of Christ, then there is a, there's a great assurance there, but it's a very humbling assurance. Cause it's very like, wow, like that's not like me. Mm-hmm. So, um, that is the kind of thing that can only be a result of me getting this life pulsing through my, through me that is only attributed to Christ. Amen. Um, so the Bible talks about it in different ways. I think the vine and branch helps me personally, cause I'm a very physical or an image person. But I mean, the rest of the New Testament talks about like the spirit lives in you. I mean, that's, just abiding image, you know, um, and put the fruit that's produced. I mean, that's the only kind of assurance the Bible gives us is yeah. the fruit. So, yeah, I wanted um, to ask that question because I think in the day-to-day life of the local church, hopefully we're in relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ who are going through dark times. And that's an honest question that can come up. Like, you know, yeah. am I actually saved? Do I actually know Jesus? And if we're all being really honest, even when we are in Christ, there can be dark seasons of the soul where we wrestle with that question. So I mm-hmm. love your heart in that and to make it the object of our faith and his yeah. sure work for us. It's finished. Yeah, so, yeah. totally. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for talking that through. Yeah. Um, this is, it feels weird. I'm asking you like random questions. Some of them matter <laughs> in the view of eternity and some are completely meaningless. That's great. Uh, okay. I would love to hear you, if you don't mind, yeah. uh, talk about what is a church? So like a group of people are gathering together, what makes that a church or doesn't make it a church? And then I have a follow-up question and I'm asking this because I can't think of really anybody else I know personally that I would want to hear speak to this more. Like oh, what, man. and I mean that because I've what worked with you day to day. Dude, I've seen your heart. You love Jesus. You love people. I really want to hear this. I think, sorry, I'm doing all the talking. I think wrong. this is one of the most important questions that's going to come out of COVID for GBC, for like the church in the West and around the world, there's been so many misconceptions, misunderstandings, even with the best of intent, but what is the church? Like, what Mm. would you say? What defines that? Yeah, man, uh, I think the simplest way I'd say it is the church, I would just steal from the Bible. The church is a (laughs) body, it's a temple, and it's a family. Mm. So it has God as its father and Jesus as our older brother. Um, so it's our family. Um, we are related, not through biolo- biological blood, but through the blood of Jesus. Um, it is a temple. So Jesus is the cornerstone. And we are being built upon him as living stones. Uh, so we are, the, we are the dwelling place of God. Mm. Um, so the Holy Spirit lives in each of us individually, but that is displayed as a temple 
like I'm not a temple in and of myself. I mean, my body is, but at the same time, when we look at how the New Testament talks about that image, we are built together. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not built alone. Um, and, um, and then uh, we're a body. I mean, that's another primary image that Jesus is the head of the body. If you cut off the head, you don't have a living body. Yeah. Um, and so um, he is the head of the church is what we say. Um, every body part matters. Um, if one suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. You know, um, if I stub my toe, my whole body feels that. Mm -hmm. If I hit a 500-foot home run, my whole body celebrates, <laughs> you know. Um, so, I mean, it's um, – those are the images, you know. So, basically, I would just take that idea and go, a church is – the um, assembled community of believers that come together under the spiritual headship of Jesus, yeah. but that is expressed um, through coming together under the leadership of the under shepherds that have been appointed to lead that that gathering, to lead that body, that family, that temple, which is why the office of elder is so important because they're called the under shepherds of Jesus. That's why the qualifications are so high. They have to be the example setters um, because as goes those people, so goes the church. Amen. And so, um, uh, yeah, that's why we want to exercise everybody's spiritual gifts because we all need each other. Um, uh, we, we can't just push out the people that don't have the gifts we like or that make us uncomfortable or whatever. Um, so it's really that idea of functioning together, doing life together. Um, I mean, this summer we'll be going through the, some one another passages that talk about all these commands that we have in the new Testament for believers. And they're all these commands that we're called to, we only can live those commands out in their relationship with one another. Yep. And so, um, so yeah, it's it's a body that gathers, a family that gathers, a temple that gathers to display God and then to be about his work in the world. Yeah. So so we have a mission. I don't want to minimize that, but um uh but I think the church in its nature is um missional. Like it has to be. Like yeah. it can't not be or else it's not really a church. Yeah. So let's go there real quick. Sure. What would you say, Josh Howith words? What is the mission of the church? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Um, <laughs> can I steal our mission statement? Do it, I mean, man. that's yes. why we have it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's just we exist to glorify God. I mean, what's the mission of the church? To glorify God is to put Him on display. Mm -hmm. That's we're talking about the fruit. We're talking about all these things. Um, I think the church is meant in a way for the world to go. Who is God? What is He like? Yeah. Oh, that's what He's like. So, um, uh, to glorify God, but then we have this commission from our Lord Jesus to go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations. So we have a message, um, a gospel that says Jesus has won and, um, you can come mm. and find salvation and hope in him. And that message is for all people. So there's a God that's made everybody that's walking around this planet right now. And many of them don't even know it. 
And so we're meant to go out and tell them that he lives and he has saved them. So uh, he offers them that salvation. Um, And so, yeah, that's the mission. I just think it's helpful to hear us speak about it. Um, Don't want to assume that we know what the mission of the church is, right? Because it has implications in what we choose to do and not do who we are. Because there's a lot of good things we as individuals, even a group of people can do in a society, but it needs to line up with what is the purpose and mission of the church according right. to God's word. So, well, I think that's yeah. why like people talk about like is people just preach the gospel, um, but I like the churches that do good works. And then other yeah. people are like, exactly, um, you know, just kind of reverse that. And I go, it's both, right? Yes. Because we have a message to preach that is the gospel, but then we're called to be putting God on display, which can only happen really through the way we love one another. Yep. And that love is displayed through our action. Amen. And so uh, we just need to stop trying to kind of make it one or the other. It's just both. And um, when the church doesn't have one of those, um, I, I would just say there's a lack of belief in the gospel. Amen. So, like, would you agree that that can be summarized in some way, maybe gospel doctrine and gospel culture, yeah. and those are to be together, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Yeah, right. Totally. Cool. How about um, one more kind of pastoral theological question? I would just love to get you officially on the podcast speaking to this. Okay. All right. <laughs> so what is church membership? And then I, I just always like to ask this, maybe I'm too pragmatic, but then why does that matter? And I mean it from a biblical standpoint, like what is church membership and why does it matter? Yeah. Just in my own words though. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, yeah, I, I would, I have always said church membership is basically just saying, um, people who are committing themselves to another body of believers, they're, um, in an official sort of way. That's, um, I mean, official is probably too fancy of a word, just in a way that's clear and obvious to everybody else. They are, we're all saying to each other, I want to help you grow and follow Christ. And then the next person says to me, I want to help you grow and follow Christ. It's very other centered. It's, um, that's why it's not, membership is not like joining a club and going, what are the benefits? Yeah. Uh, what would be the point? And which I think is sadly why people sometimes eventually join a church. They go, well, I want to do this thing, but I can't do it until I become a member. So I guess I'll become a member. And that's kind of looking at the benefit side of it, which is a, the backwards end of it. Mm. Being a member is just like, I want to be a part of this community of faith. And I want to help these people grow in Christ. But then those people do the same thing to me. And so, um, so I think it's at its basic level what it is, but you're also needing to add what that means is you're kind of overseeing one another's membership in the sense that we're, that's, that's a body image, right? Um, we're members of the same body. That's where the word comes from. So you're just trying to help. When I'm saying I want to help you grow, what I'm saying is I want to help oversee your membership, that, that you continue to grow in Christ-likeness and faith. Um, so we feel that sense of ownership or uh, stewardship over each other's lives and salvation. Um, but I do think that is expressed in... Uh, people faithfully gathering, uh, which is why Hebrews talks about that famously, to not neglect to meet together, um, but to encourage each other all the more as we see the day drawing near. And then lastly, I think you look at places like Hebrews 13 that says, submit to your leaders um, and obey them for they're keeping watch over your soul so as to give an account and let them do this with joy and not groaning. Um, And so there is a sense where I have to read the Bible and go, can I obey the Bible? 
um, when James says, call the elders to pray for you and you're sick, who would you call? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, if, uh, you know, it says, you know, if the, if the toe hurts, you know, and the whole body feels it and suffers and I'm not connected enough to a body believers where anything that's happening in someone else's life, I even feel affected by it. Um, I would go, maybe I'm not experiencing what the Bible would describe as being a member of a church. So, um, <clears throat> so there's an aspect of overseeing each other's membership an aspect of, um, submitting to leaders yeah. who are keeping watch over your soul and, um, living out those one another's. Cool. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. I love how you articulate that. Um, this podcast could go for a long time, but uh, as we enter the fourth quarter of this podcast, <laughs> how about we end on some kind of like just personal type questions? I'd love to hear you speak to. Sure. Um, kind of all over the place, but um, I guess I would love to hear you speak to, you've asked us questions at different time of where do you want to see God move in your life? So I want to flip that question on you in a helpful way. Hmm. Where do you want to see God move in your life over the next, let's say 12 months. And then I'd even say in the next decade, as you're approaching the big four hmm. Oh, like, where do you want to see <laughs> God move in your life? Oh man. I should have read the questions you sent me. I'm just kidding. No, I should have prepared. I'm just kidding. Um, man, I'll just say the first thing that comes to my mind. How about that? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think how to articulate it. Uh, so, sorry, really quick. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. No. Uh, do you want, you see, there's two questions there or well, one. Where do you want to see God move in your life? Maybe two like horizons. So mm. these next 12 months and then these next 10 years. Sure. Like, where's your heart? Where are you praying, seeking the Lord? Where do you want to see God move in your life? Yeah, I guess I just int interpret that more personally um, with the wars that go on inside of me. I would just love to be more free. Um, free from believing sort of like accusations in my mind that just aren't of God, mm. like, um, free from feeling insecure, um, free from needing people feeling like I need people to approve of me or like me, um, just, yeah, free from all that. I think the becoming more free would be fantastic. Um, and then the other thing that has my mind, um, is just, um, being okay with things constantly not being, um, completed or ideal. Mm. Like, I just feel like convicted that I'm constantly like always looking towards a future horizon of, okay, if I can cross that line, then things will be great. Or if I'll finally be content or I'll finally be satisfied. Cause I'm just realizing that like, I'm, I'll probably just, if I keep doing that, I'll probably just wake up one day and I'll be dead, or, which doesn't make any <laughs> sense. I will close my eyes one day and then I will, you know, but I'll just like that. That's all of our life, right? It'll just never be everything that I would like dream it would be, mm. you know, like I'll never be like, uh, whatever, I'll, like a thousand things, uh, just of, I'll never, whether it's in parenting or marriage or ministry or whatever, just, there's always this like longer horizon than having those dreams realized now. So just learning to be okay. And, and in the moment, grateful for the work of God and what he has done and, yeah. uh, being grateful for what we have, mm -hmm. you know, and, 
we talk about this in ministry, I think you're just always thinking about what needs to improve, what needs to get better. But if you're not just kind of enjoying where you're at, you'll just constantly feel behind unnecessary pressure. Yeah, amen. And I've just kind of wondered how many days God, I mean, if I could almost put words in God's mouth, he would say to me like, I'm not even wanting that for you today. Mm. You know, I'm just wanting you to be grateful for what you have and where you're at. And Amen. so I don't know, man, those are just two things that probably yeah. sound no, too thanks. vague and it's hard to put in no. concrete, but um, where I'm at today, I guess. Yeah. Thanks so, for being willing I don't know to if I answered what you were asking me or yeah, not. I was yeah. just curious what you're yeah. going to have to say. So that's awesome. Um, how about this? We read Rico Tice's book on faithful leaders. So good, uh, really short, but really powerful. And then towards the end of it, he asked a question that I thought, you know what, this would be cool to ask you on the podcast. So Josh, what don't you want me to ask you right now? That's straight from Rico Tice's book. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. What do I not want you to ask me right now? Yeah. I don't know. I just thought I, I'd ask it. <laughs> That's a really hard question. Um, I have no idea. No worries. What would you think would be, I've been trying to think of like what, what kind of uh, I would think Vayner, you, you, I would think you wouldn't want me to ask you um, why Olive Garden is good. That okay. comes to mind. I would <laughs> think you wouldn't want me to ask you, and I really don't want to hear you say this or speak to it on the podcast, but for being honest, you wouldn't want me to ask you what are your fears or yeah. concerns pastorally, personally in your move down to yeah. Redlands, California. Yeah. Uh, I would think you wouldn't want me to ask you um, if the Warriors are going to win the NBA Finals or not. I don't know. Yeah, Just totally. different stuff. Yeah. No, those are good. I think the question's hard for me is because I I at least like to think that I function in my life in such a way that I don't feel like I walk around going, I hope people don't ask me this. Yeah, amen. Because I feel like if you were to ask me, for example, what are your fears, I've, I'm – I don't know, maybe in a wrong way, I can feel like I can be almost too honest about that kind of stuff mm. to where I probably am like, oh, does a, should a real, does a real leader keep things more, you know, yeah. play the cards close to the chest or something like that? Um, whereas I feel maybe to a fault, pretty comfortable just kind of expressing to people, I mean, different settings are different, yeah, but no, like, you. Um, you know, I'm really worried about this or. Uh, you know, I feel pretty insecure about that or I don't know. I guess yeah. it's just how I've in a different way functioned. Oh, so Yeah, I just thought I I'd know. ask thinking, yeah. oh yeah, Josh and I read this book together. I should ask you That's that. a good question. And I love yeah. on this in last podcast <clears throat> together, a siren just went by. That's yes. a consistent theme <laughs> totally. of the way we record. That's Sirens. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. All right. Um, keep in mind the clock. A few more questions yeah. for you. I appreciate you being willing to just yeah. answer a bunch of, bunch of questions. Um, I love your encouragement to individual believers, uh, to us as a church, you say it, you know, in a few different ways, but if you're standing on the eternal horizon, right. And you look back, that helps you frame things and how big God is, how small our worries are, what really matters. So like, um, you as lead pastor of GBC, as you're transitioning to answer God's call to lead a new church, like, what would you say to GBC? Like an encouragement, a charge GBC, you're standing on the eternal edge horizon of eternity, like just encourage us, pastor us. What would you say? Man. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's hard. Um, I think... I mean, I think the thing that just kind of comes to my mind is um, it's kind of that phrase, like, like we're going to be okay. Mm. Like, I, that's, I don't know how encouraging or how lame that sounds. I don't know. But, like, I think um, just in these moments – it can feel like shifting sand or something, but we, we have a rock beneath our feet that is the rock of ages. I mean, we stand on the same rock that, uh, Moses and Abraham and Peter and, um, John. And I mean, like everybody stood on, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, um, so, um, not trying to minimize the moment, but I think someday we'll, like, I joke that people will probably forget I existed in like a few years, you know, just like, oh, remember that guy, you know? And so, um, I think in real sense, like just eternity colors a lot of that to where it really does help us go. Yeah, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we're really being even more honest, we'd say it's going to be way more than okay, you know? Um, and, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll say that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. I just, I love how you've verbalized that. I find that really helpful in my own soul. And I've, I've heard others like bounce that around. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's cool. You've blessed, uh, our church, Gresham Bible church with that idea, with that helpful, just kind of question that's anyway. Appreciate yeah, that, totally. Yeah. 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 How about as we draw this hard hitting episode to a close, any questions like you wanted me to ask you anything you want to speak to right now? It could be serious, pastoral, could be personal. I had lots more questions, but you know, time's a slave driver. So, <laughs> so you're asking me again, I am what asking questions you, no, 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 I didn't you mean want like what me you to... don't want, but you're okay. like, oh man. What I'd I love do to want. just, yeah, that you do want, not don't want was the first one. Now it's that you do Jordan want. Jordan and I kind of the same way of asking the same question. This yes, is so me like, not doing my job. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to ask you exactly. questions. So what you questions come up with do your own you questions that's for right, yourself? Totally, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't prepared to like think of my own questions. Uh, uh, I have no idea. Like, that's cool. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. man. No, I that's feel like totally I should fine. have more yeah, questions. It's like be that job interview. Like where you're, you're like, what questions do you have for us? You're yeah. like, I don't know. Like, yeah, you I don't told know, man. That's your job. You're supposed to be the one asking me questions. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sure something should come to my mind. I just, it's hard to think of it in the moment. Same, and I'm distracted by the sirens in the background too. Yeah, that's right. No, All right. Hey, thank you. I hope this episode has been encouraging and thoughtful and I appreciate you, man. And I'm going to miss doing this podcast with you, but we're going to be asking you to join in the future as a guest. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Maybe even when I'm back in town, we can come to this room. Let's do it. Yeah. I'll give you all our vacation when you come up here. You're always going to have to see people and get on podcasts and preach. That's right. That's true. I can't, I can't wait for that. When you come back and visit and visit GBC, it's going to be awesome. It'll be okay. Yes. Right. Exactly. As you just said. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining uh, on this podcast. If any of this sparks any questions, you want to have a follow-up discussion, uh, we would love that. And so you can do that by reaching out to me at mike at Thanks.